0: So Kevin, uh, just to kick off, you
1: just want to introduce yourself and tell tell us about your role. Yeah, sure. So I'm Kevin Freer. I'm deputy leader of Lancaster City Council and portfolio holder for Climate Action. I'm uh, an independent uh, eco-socialist councillor. Um, there were five of us who left the Labour Party a year ago and, and formed an independent group. Um, I'm currently the deputy leader with a green leader, Caroline Jackson, and we have a a loose association um, coalition with Labour, with the Lib Dems and with the Morecambe Bay independents running the council. Um, But I also, when council started declaring a climate emergency, I set up Climate Emergency UK initially to track declarations then to track action plans, then we collaborated with my society to create a searchable database of action plans, and now we're working with um, someone who used to work on the People and Planet League table for universities to uh, score action plans that that local authorities have done, and we're, we're, we're partway through that process, and it'll get published in the new year.
0: Which is great, which, which gives you a special insight into um, how far we've got since these climate declarations started being declared a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. So just, just a broad brush. I mean, what, what, how, what, what's your perception of the progress out there?
1: OK, it's taken a very long time to get from a declaration to um, action plan. Obviously, uh, things were severely interrupted by, by COVID. Um, you've still got councils who declared na- uh, a climate emergency over two years ago who haven't come up with a plan yet. Um, you've got a wide variety of plans because there's no one template for them. There's no uh, guidance from government. This is all done, if you like, in spite of government rather than, than led by government. So you've got a huge variety and then of course it's one thing to have an action plan, a wonderful shiny colourful action plan, another thing to actually um, implement it. So with our um, with our league table we recognise that uh, all we could do this year with our resources was, was assess action plans but part of it is uh, the intention is that we've now got council's attention and we can say to them, look, next year, we're going to assess you on what you actually are doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it will have to be on what they say they're doing. Um, but we will also try and build in some kind of community assessment of, of, of what they're doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a long journey basically from, from the first uh, declarations. And it's a journey that uh, you know is hardly, in fact, I don't think you could look at any council and say, They are actually treating it as an emergency Mm. um, because they're not Um, certainly not you know if you compare to Covid um, that they're not treating as an emergency but then of course you that that's that that's from the bottom up if you like but but the government need to do so much more to uh, facilitate these plans they need to provide legislation, because councils at the moment are pushing, some councils are pushing to um, go further on um, local plans to get developers to build to a higher standard. We're getting a lot of pushback from developers um, who don't want to do that. And there's no support, obviously, developers are pushing the Conservative Party, sponsoring their conference and things like that. So there is a lot of um, pushback uh, there is a lot of inertia. There is a lot of a, 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 a lot of problems to do with funding, to do with powers, and then you've got a lot of councils who declare the climate emergency because it was the they were pushed into it, if you like, by a packed um, public gallery who didn't really have the um, commitment to it as well. Mm. So it's a messy picture. It's not a particularly inspiring picture. When you consider, um, you know, it it depends who you listen to, but even if you listen to the IPCC who say we can, uh, we could hit 1.5 degrees anytime between 2030 and and 2051. um, If you look at any council action plan, you will see that there is a huge gap, a huge lack of ambition. Um, They're not, Becky Willis on on the podcast on the local government um, Chronicle podcast that uh, that we recorded said she would like to see councils coming up with what what a real plan, if you like, you know what would actually need to happen in our district to get us to our meet our targets and use that as a, as a kind of negotiating tool with government because mm. councils aren't doing that they are they are coming up with plans based on what they. What they what they think they can do rather than on what actually needs to happen so I thought it was a really good idea from from Becky um so the, the plans don't match up anyway even if they are carried out mm.
0: um, yeah <laughs> that's no that's
1: that's that's in line with what
0: other people have said and it's 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 not a great picture I think one of the frustrations is that is that for If you like for your campaigners and your activists who go along to a council meeting you know often they will have a sense that things are not that 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 we're nowhere near that this is not good enough but they but it is so hard for them to work out exactly what to scrutinize exactly what to challenge on um you know and, and what councils potentially could be doing um and perhaps that is to do with the fact that there is no there's no single model. You know, there's nothing. So the comparisons are really, really hard. And, and some of the work you're you're doing to help people
1: compare. Yeah. Well, that's why, yeah, that's why with the league table, we're going to make it searchable so that people can compare like we'd like, if you like. There's no point in comparing a district council like Lancaster with with a London borough, for example. Um, but you could compare us with other councils in in um, Lancashire. And and say, well, hang on a minute. You know, this cancels doing this, but that council's not. You know, so mm. why aren't you doing that? You know, mm. so there, 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 there's definitely scope for. It might also partly address the claim by government, which is, I mean, it's such a cop out. But governments have have repeated um, what they've been saying for a couple of years to the Environment Audit Commission a couple of um, uh, weeks ago where they said we are not going to give councils any new um powers any new money because we are not convinced that they are maxing out on their existing um powers and and so on um and that might be true for some councils so there there you know there are things that all councils can do that they're not doing and we hope that that by kind of highlighting the best practice that other councils can look at that and say well okay government really need to step up but meanwhile we could be doing this this and this so
0: so in terms so and i'm not suggesting we let the government off the hook here but because this conversation is sort of looking at what councils are doing and what they could be doing so in terms of that sort of maxing out what they could be doing let's just wanted to pick it pick on two two topics one is the issue of capacity and the other is partnerships so the impression i get and and it was interesting talking to cara about the fact that you know some places have one uh climate action officer who's on a temporary contract and then other places have teams of people who are you know who are digging into this i mean do you get do you get any sense that the capacity is there to to because you know again all those all the funds that government make available you have to you, you get a, a week to bid and you know you, they're all beauty contests so it's it's a bit crazy, but I yeah, got the no, sense from Cara that we are beginning to develop sort of a national capacity and a bit of alert there is a, the learning is coming through.
1: Yeah, there's definitely been quite a recruitment drive uh, from councils for climate officers, um, so that is um, a resource that's definitely building up. But you see, this year now, for example, in Lancaster, we've got to make over a million pounds worth of cuts. So, you know, yes, councils are expanding their workforce um, from existing resources that don't don't exist. They've got to find them from somewhere because they have no allocated budget for addressing climate change. they're finding the resources but or, but again this year they're having to make more cuts so mm. it's not mm. not going to be a surprise if mm. if they're not going to expand but they're going to contract because mm. of all the statutory duties that, that they have so yeah it's um it's difficult but it is a choice for councils they they could if they treat it as emergency they could decide to prioritize mm. climate mm. and Cut somewhere else. Mm. Um, so it is a, you know, within their existing resources, it it is a choice. Mm. Mm. And they are that. choosing. They are choosing to do other things. They're choosing to build roads. They're choosing to build houses in places that are not uh, accessible by any other means than by cars. So they are spending money working against their their um, their, their their climate emergencies mm. as well
0: so and so then the other one was partnership so um Anthony Herford was very much saying you know this, this is absolutely crucial that, that, the, that the, the, the 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 statutory role and the influence role will only really have teeth if it's if it's working in partnership yeah. with the community yeah. but also with organizations you know this is yeah. this, um um the I mean, we don't really have big emitters, but whereas where there are big emitters, but the big organisations in the area who have influence and have themselves have supply chains and, and all that sort of stuff. Are, are you getting the sense that those sorts of real
1: powerful partnerships are developing? There are places who've always been good at that. Um, there are places who haven't. And um, on the whole, I don't think councils are very good at it. They're certainly not very good at partnerships with their community. Um, I said on the LGC pro- podcast that the biggest resource that councils have got is their communities. You know, they, they will have a host of retired people who care about these issues, who would would happily step up and, and get more involved. Um, looking at the range of ways in which um, councils are engaging with their communities, we did an intern that, uh, we had at Climate Immunity, UK recently did a whole piece on um, looking at the different ways that councils are engaging. On the whole, they, they're still locked in, in a traditional consultation uh, model where they go out and ask people, come back and, uh, and, and try and do it themselves rather than working in partnership, working collaboratively, working together on what is a real shared problem. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just discovered that, um, a year after the, uh, Lancaster University declared a climate emergency, no, uh, all the people I talked to at the university yesterday said they've done nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's inertia, not just in councils, but, the, but in the other big, big institutions. So we need some fast forward <laughs> and I'm not sure where it's coming from, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm also frustrated with the with groups like XR who have given up really on engage on positive engagement and, and just want to come and wave banners outside the, the, the council meeting. You know, everybody is um frustrated with the lack of progress, but there isn't a there aren't many, if any, good examples um of where these kind of partnerships, these kind of um Models are really working. Are really driving things forward. Um, I'd love to know about them. Okay,
0: the well, you, you sort of. I will just dig on that one because you did. You said there aren't many, if any, are there any at all that you could think of?
1: Oh, I hear things occasionally about um, places. Um, I hear. I hear rumors. <laughs> it's pretty like that. It's a. It's the holy grail. And I'm still in search of it. I was trying to be a bit hopeful there, uh, Julian. Okay.
0: Okay. I don't. Okay. So stepping back from that, that the Holy Grail for a minute. So, but in terms of that, that, that engagement with people, are, are you seeing any examples of where that's working? Where there's, where there's, even just at a scheme level or at a project level, where where we're doing that, you know, we're full of clunky language, unfortunately, but we're doing that co-creation thing. Of actually working with communities to to shift things. Oh. I mean, exactly. Just just to sort of you know, perhaps prompt it. The things the, the the two areas where it seems to me that that's that's crucial is you know when we're talking about retrofitting social housing, we clearly need social housing tenants to be to buy into that because you know who who wants their house ripped apart you know for insulation unless they know that there's a real benefit to them. And 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 then the other one is is with the whole sort of transport story and and some of the tensions around low traffic neighborhoods and all that sort of thing but also yeah. winning it in places
1: yes yeah, so, i mean retrofitting on, on the whole council's are doing well on their retrofitting they are they have some control over that so um and and they you know lancaster is doing well on that it is engaging with tenants, is, um doing it in a way that is, is as least disruptive as possible so i think that's that's um if we're talking about Uh, engagement with their own tenants, then then I think that's a better story. Um, One of the success stories has been community-led housing. You know, that was was a surprise pot of money from the government that that councils, again, like Lancaster, picked up and worked with supported community land trusts. So, again, in Lancaster, we have a a group next door to us, actually, in Holton, building 19 homes for social rent, built a passive house standard, and hopefully connected to the private wire network we have at Lancaster Co-Housing to use uh, electricity directly from hydro, community owned hydro and solar. So I think there are success stories around the country where councils have worked with community land trusts mm-hmm. using that government money. Um, mm-hmm. So there are, um, th- there are little pockets of, of, of success there, always dependent on um, the money being available so you know councils had to bid for that money Mm -hmm. they had to have the um the interest in doing it and there is there's apparently more money available because we're looking now for another community land trust to build more houses um on the transport thing that is a um pretty much a disaster really um the money that suddenly became available during COVID was poorly spent on temporary schemes that, that weren't, you know, the cyclists around Lancaster will say, okay, they put in a, a little bit of a few um, poles there to separate the bike lane, but it's too narrow. Um, there was no real change to, to the infrastructure there with that money. Um, so it's not, so, it, it yeah, it was it was badly implemented mm-hmm. in a rush. Um, There is some work being done on 15-minute neighbourhoods in places like Newcastle um, and one or two others where they are looking at how the people get around without cars. There's there's some things that have been done on ultra-low traffic neighbourhoods, schemes like workplace parking and things like that. So, you know, financial penalties to get people out of their cars and encourage them to... you know to, to to get around but one but then equally um you're getting um a drive to um build new garden villages or garden towns uh with the um with the promise that they're going to be low traffic neighborhoods but every house has to be built with a couple of car spaces so, you know, the 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 legislation isn't there, that the the support isn't there. People are still going to use their cars, they're still going to depend on their cars. They um the money's not there to improve the, you know, to get a lot more buses, to improve the, the system. The, the, there was that brilliant study from the
0: um protection
1: uh, uh, of yeah. rural England. Yeah. Saying there could be a bus every hour in every mm, village mm, in the country mm. between six am and midnight. There mm. are fractions, I mean, like ten percent of the money that, that the government are putting into roads.
0: Yeah.
1: Without that kind of big, big sky thinking, yeah. um, local authorities are just going to be scratching the surface. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and of course that that also means that. It's a different story for different local authorities because some have more powers over transport or all that sort of thing than others, so some of the combined authorities can perhaps be making some progress on this. Yeah, well that's Um, where
1: people like Jamie Driscoll in the North of Tyne Authority, they have strategic transport um, powers, they can make uh, a difference. mm -hmm. Um, Others just don't have that, or they don't have administrations that prioritise that. So coming
0: back to, to the plans, if you like, because I, I suppose one of the things that, that, that I've been saying to people recently, and, and I may be wrong, is, is, you know, I mean, well, put it this way, we had, we had climate emergency declarations, all well and good. but They don't necessarily produce action. Then we have plans, all well and good, but they don't necessarily produce action. You know, it is about delivery, but it's also, there are so many different aspects to this. To, to to pretend that there's going to be one document which will be the plan, feels to me like perhaps you know a, a, a not too useful. But the, the bigger issue is 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 the thinking being mainstream across everything that councils do, and yeah, in particular, yeah. is it being mainstreamed in terms of their economic strategies? Because my sense is that you know, and I'm ta- I'll talk about my own council now. You know that it has a Shropshire Council has a, a actually its economic plan is out of date. But if you look at the old one, it completely contradicts everything that the climate emergency plan says. I mean, you know, it, there are bits where you can find, you know, promoting green industry, but at the same time, it's still, you know, build build business parks on the edge of the town and hope that international companies will come in. You know, it's not it's not direct. So, are you getting a sense that anywhere is beginning to think strategically about their whole economic policy in a climate
1: in a climate way? In a word, no. Um, um business as usual trumps climate every time is the short answer um you do get a lot of councils now that embed their the climate emergency in their corporate plan so we've done that in Lancaster uh, it means that every decision has to be assessed according to um, to their climate plans but um you've got this this uh, and a, a really shocking example is Cornwall, where they've got these fabulous embedded um, decision-making things, but you know, based on donor economics. So they're, they're not just looking at um, climate, they're looking at the whole social justice and, and everything, you know, and, and economics is, is based on the sustainable development goals. So they they're looking at every decision in a in a holistic way. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it changes the, the decision. So they they the first thing that they used that um, decision making wheel on was the spaceport at, at Cornwall Airport, and it didn't change the decision. It just led them to think, okay, um, we're going to have to offset that. We're going to have to offset all those emissions. Um, so it isn't even even with the best embedding in in, in corporate plans and, and decision making it's not leading to any change that says oh we can't do that because it conflicts too much with our with our climate and ecological emergency the best you'll get is okay we'll offset those extra emissions okay
0: i mean that's <laughs> it's, it's no it's just interesting because because I would say that that Cara's take on it was a little bit more positive
1: than that. That she she was seeing of course it of, is yeah. of course it is that's that's Ashton's job. Yeah, no, <laughs> you no know, which is that. fine. Yeah, yeah. No, Accentuate no, the not. positive. That's that's you know, and and um, and we're all doing that. I find myself doing that as well. You know, you've got yeah. me on a Wednesday, gloomy Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. You, you talked, to, I think it's quite interesting, you talking about this, we'd like to go back to this one, about about the real plan, the idea of actually constructing yeah. you know, what what actually should happen in this area. And then you go through it and you go, well, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. But these are the reasons why, government, you've got to correct the, yeah. the opportunity for us to do these things. And perhaps that's, perhaps that's why um, some of the partnerships that we're seeing, which are not... So sort of council owned are sort of useful. So again, just to come back to my, my, my situation. So in Shropshire, we have a zero carbon Shropshire partnership, which, which was created separately to the council. Um, The council sort of, you know, says, yeah, we're members of this and we support Mm -hmm. it. Um, but in reality, it's, it's as you were saying, it's it's people locally with real expertise who've come to together and done the homework and they produce a really good graphic which says this is what needs to be done every year. You know, this is how many homes need to be retrofitted. This is how many car journeys need to be <laughs> modally shifted. It's yeah. a really, you know, strong graphic. And I think it sort of does what you're saying. This is what the real plan should look like. What it doesn't then do is say these are the barriers necessarily. But, you know, we can't, we can't have everything. But I'm just wondering if you're see- if, if, you know, if, you, if other people are sort of managing to put together anything like
1: that, you know, if you're seeing that sort of... Well, of course, that, that, that will be based on, on the brilliant work that, that um, Zero Carbon Britain have done. So, you know, they have developed a plan of, of what it looks like. And then if every county, you know, like group, your group in Shropshire, um, then turned that into, you know, did a version of that for their local area, that would be brilliant. Um, you've got other organisations like climate commissions as well um, who are uh, pushing. I mean, it's obviously important that they work as closely together with the council as possible um, to get the council's buy-in. And um, I think in in Leeds' case that they are doing that. And, you know, it it was the climate commission who um, commissioned the people's jury, the, the citizens' jury, not the council, but the council then adopted the, um, the recommendations of the jury. So I think where you've got a situation like that, that where, where the organisation is independent but working closely enough with the council that they'll they will adopt what they're doing, that that's really good. Mm. Um, we're not seeing many of those. There's a few of those around the country. I'm really keen that we get something going now in Lancashire. Um, in, in, in a similar vein to, to Shropshire and, and Leeds um, but again there's there's not a uh, a model well no clearly there are models but it, there, there's it's we've had these kind of organisations before and they've come and gone there have been sustainability partnerships mm. you know mm. uh, going back to the coalition government and earlier so these things come and go mm. um, and they don't um, th- there isn't a um, a model that means that they're properly funded, that they're properly designed. They're, you know, it's all very piecemeal and, and mm. dependent on people in certain areas having mm. the the time, the commitment, the expertise mm. to to make these things happen. So, PECAN can seem to be trying to fill that space. So the place, or is it well, the they're place the ones who set yeah. up the climate commissions, yeah, but yeah. they they don't have capacity. I've been contacting them um for ages to help, yeah. help with with setting up in lancashire and they, they right. there is no capacity there right okay okay
0: so so yes okay so that's another area where we need we need we need more capacity yeah yeah um okay i'm i'm sort of that that's really helpful uh, it's <laughs> it's really depressing <laughs> but it's really helpful it's it's a good it, I think I've, I think I've covered most of the areas that I wanted to cover with you, but you know I, I don't want to stop if there's anything else you think that you, that you want to share. I mean, in terms of in terms of you know what I mean. One of well, one of the questions I suppose is, do you think COP26 is going to change the picture locally? I mean, you know, I'm not asking ask about the international story, but whether you think it will change the national story. Are we going to see a net zero strategy which is which is which is meaningful? But also. Based on some of the things you've just said, I'm, I'm, the other question is, is, you know, what are the priorities for the next six months to a year, do you think? Is it, is it about, well, I'm asking you that, if, if you're picking up on anything where you think, actually, this is what, what what we really need to see in the next six months or so.
1: Okay. Um, no, I'm not expecting anything from COP, even though I'm gonna spend my whole time there and, and networking, talking to people, uh, hoping to get inspired by what people are doing. Um, There's a whole local government day where there's a lot of events uh, uh, around it. Um, Some organisations like UK 100 have definitely stepped up recently and and are doing more. Um, The next six months, we've got to see a a, a big change in engagement uh, across the board. You know, in either people um, stepping up and saying, I want to work with you on this to people saying, you're not doing enough. You know, there there are a hundred ways in which people can get involved in their with their local councils from, um, you know, close collaboration to disruption, if you like, you know, we, and and people are not organizing themselves in ways that are effective. You know, blocking roads isn't gonna work. Waving banners outside the town hall isn't going to work. Um, We've got to find really effective, better ways of getting getting councils' attention, getting them to understand that the only way they're going to meet their targets is is effective collaboration. There are people out there, there's organisations, there's businesses out there who want to, to work together to do this so we've got to find really effective, good ways of collaborating and we, you know, that is so urgent. We, we don't have those at the moment.
0: That's, that's really, yeah, that's helpful, that's, um, that's strong, yeah. Okay, I think, I think I'm gonna leave it there and, and say thank you very much for finding the time. Um, yeah, um, and let's chat again soon, you know. Um, I'll stop the recording in a second, but but yeah. This, yeah, we're uh, going to stop
1: recording. I there's something else I want to say. Uh, okay, I'll stop it now. I'll stop it now. <laughs>